Seeing as every Easter, you're kind of obliged to give the same talk over and over and over again. We thought that we would try something a little new today. And instead of just talking about the resurrection of Jesus, we would actually look at a story of someone who experienced it for themselves to discover how you and I and us together can experience it for ourselves today, some 2,000 years later. So this story, in the passage that we just heard read, uh, kind of stars a core disciple of Jesus by the name of Peter. He was originally called Simon, so sometimes he's referred to as Simon Peter. And in the passage that was just read, we heard this about the life of Simon Peter in verse 3. He says there, I'm going out to fish. And he told this to his disciple buddies, and they said that, We'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. This is the story of Simon Peter deciding to go fishing days after the death of Jesus. I hope it's not lost on us that in Simon Peter's former life, he was actually a commercial fisherman. The fact that he went fishing was not by accident. He was a a commercial fisherman, and this former life was actually the very life, the very instance from which Jesus first called him. In a different account of Jesus' life recorded by Matthew, it says this in Matthew chapter 4. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to fish for people. And at once, Simon and his brother left their nets and followed him. This was the very life from which Jesus first called him and invited him into something more. And if that wasn't enough, as Peter was engaging in a life of following Jesus as one of his core disciples, he was actually promised and sort of set apart among all the other disciples to be the person on whom Jesus would really root his eternity-altering, difference-making movement in the world. Later on in Matthew's account, it says this in Matthew 16, in verse 18, Jesus says, I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. This is the moment that Jesus changed Simon's name to Peter. The word Peter means rock, and says that on this Peter, on this rock, it's kind of a play on words, he is going to anchor and root his difference-making movement in the world. That's the life that Peter was invited into and the life that he was promised. He was from that life of a commercial fisherman promised an extraordinary life by Jesus. I think in John 21, he went back to that former life because everything that Jesus invited him into had died when Jesus did. Just days earlier, Peter had witnessed the gruesome crucifixion of Jesus. And I can only imagine that with the death of Jesus came the death of all of those dreams of what his life was going to become. That calling, gone. Those promises kind of drifted away like last season's fashion. And because he essentially had nothing left, because the, the future that he had and the idea of his life hadn't turned out the way that he had expected, Peter reverted back to what he knew. He reverted back to going fishing. 
Of course, the text doesn't say why he uh, reverted back to going fishing. I mean, it might have been just a completely practical need because he had to make a livelihood. I mean, he no longer had this friend and spiritual leader in Jesus who was able to just whip up food for thousands off of a single serving with a snap of a finger. And of course, a dude's got to eat. But maybe it was something deeper. Maybe Peter was kind of recovering from the traumatic week that he'd experienced in watching Jesus, you know, wrongfully accused and then convicted and sentenced to die and ultimately hung on a cross to death. Maybe he was just processing all the grief that he was carrying from that moment. Maybe he was creating an outlet by fishing with his buddies to try to recharge from all of the relational conflict that he'd been a part of in the previous week. Or maybe he was just looking to kind of lighten his load from all of the weariness that he was carrying personally. We don't know why Peter went fishing. All we know is that in that moment after Jesus' death, when Peter's dreams had kind of fallen apart, where everything he thought his life was supposed to look like wasn't, Peter reverted back to what he knew. He reverted back to that life of fishing. And it was in that moment that he encountered someone else who asked him kind of how that was working for him. Look what it says in verse 6 of John chapter 21. It says, Jesus said, throw your net onto the right side of the boat and you will find some fish there. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. In Peter's life, this is the moment where he first encounters the risen Jesus. And this is the moment for him when he first experiences the miraculous and the supernatural activity of Jesus' resurrection, life, love, and power. Again, I I don't profess to be a fishing expert. In fact, it's my brother that got that DNA inherited from my dad. Uh, I do remember, though, as a kid being encouraged to cast my net on the shady side of the dock, not the sunny side, because the fish could see the worm and the hook easier on the, on the sunny side. Maybe that's why Peter and his friends were fishing off one side of the boat, or I don't know, because they were net fishing. Maybe there's something to do with the current where you toss it on one side and the fish swim into the net easier. I don't know. You can, you can appreciate that. I don't know what I'm talking about when it comes to fishing, but for whatever reason, as Peter reverted back to that former way of life, he kept going to what he knew, going to what was familiar, almost like a security blanket, but it wasn't working for him. And because he was willing to listen to Jesus, because he was willing to obey Jesus, even before he recognized that this was the risen Jesus, Peter was able to experience the miraculous activity of Jesus in his life. And he was able to awaken to the reality of the risen Jesus. And he was able to open his life up to the fullness of Jesus' resurrection, life, love, and power. Even though life hadn't worked out the way Peter thought, and as a result, he had reverted back to the familiar, the comfortable, the historical of what he had formerly known. Because he was willing to open his mind and open his heart to the new that Jesus offered him, he was able to experience the fullness of Jesus' resurrection, life, love, and power 
for himself. And gang, 2,000 years later, that same opportunity exists for us. Even if we find ourselves in a place today where life maybe hasn't worked out the way that we thought, and maybe we're tempted to sort of blame God or be disappointed that God didn't deliver, and even though we might be tempted to revert back to some of the old and familiar in our lives, if you and I, like Peter, are willing to open our minds and open our hearts up to the new opportunity that Jesus invites us into, then we can experience the new life that his resurrected spirit seeks to bring. At the end of the day, that that is the recurring year-over-year message of Easter weekend, that through Jesus' resurrection, new life is available to people like you and me and us together. The Apostle Paul describes it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 5. He says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old is gone, the new is here. The good news of Jesus' resurrection, which is really the climax of the Christian message. The Christian faith is not rooted in a program or a, an experience to attend. It's not about Sunday mornings. It's not even about a text. The, the epicenter of the Christian message is about a person and about an event and this climactic moment in the resurrection where Jesus once for all conquered sin and conquered death so that his living spirit could be alive and available even today to indwell and empower the lives of forgiven believers, the lives of people who would aspire to follow him in order to progressively, miraculously, supernaturally be changed into his image to a greater degree. Because of the reality of the resurrection, people can experience a new life, a new quality of life through his living spirit's transforming work. And in the same way that you would renovate a house, embracing all of the new design and all of the new opportunities by allowing the old to go, by allowing the old to be demolished, the same invitation exists for people today to let go of the old, to let go of the familiar, to let go of patterns and character traits in order to open our minds and hearts up to the new opportunity that Jesus' living spirit invites us into. You might be wondering, especially if you're new to this whole faith thing, whether this could be available to you. And I want every single one of us to appreciate that the invitation to new life of Jesus Christ is available to everyone and anyone, no matter who we are or what we've done up till now. It's an unconditional invitation, but it is contingent on a willingness and openness to embrace the new that Jesus offers. While unconditional, it is contingent on being willing to let go of the old, to let go of the familiar, and let go of the comfortable in order to embrace the new life that Jesus has for us. One New Testament author described it this way. It's a long passage, but I think it's significant. So let's read through it, where it says, Jesus' divine power, his risen life, has given us everything we need 
for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. Basically, we can live Jesus' way through his risen life and power. The author goes on to say, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. What a compelling picture of the increasingly new life that a person can experience when they open themselves up to the heart-renovating supernatural work of the resurrection, life, love, and power of Jesus. And the surprising thing is that, do you know who wrote this passage? Do you know who wrote this compelling description of the life that Jesus invites people into? None other than Peter himself. The very Peter who at one point thought that God hadn't delivered, thought that those callings and promises that Jesus had given specifically to him weren't going to materialize. And as a result, because things didn't turn out the way that he had assumed they would or should, had reverted back to his old patterns and behaviors. But the truth is, Jesus did deliver. And Jesus didn't just make him one of the New Testament authors who could affect millions of people in a timeless way with the truth and life-changing message of Jesus. Peter actually got to experience this for himself during his life on earth. Look what it says in Acts chapter 2 and verse 41. It says, those who accepted Peter's message about Jesus were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. The truth is that Jesus did deliver on that calling to Peter, and Jesus did deliver on that promise to Peter to give him an extraordinary and significant life with Jesus and used by him. But it wasn't because he reverted back to the old. It was because Peter, even though he was tempted to revert back to the old, had the courage and faith and openness to allow himself to experience the new invitation of Jesus. And because he opened himself up to the new invitation, of Jesus, he was able to experience the fullness of Jesus' life, love, and resurrection power for himself. Even though he was tempted to revert back to the old, because Peter opened himself up to the new life and new invitation Jesus offered him, he got to experience the fullness of Jesus' resurrection, life, love, and power for himself. I wonder for how many of us we would be willing to open our lives up to that same experience today. The truth, gang, is that for many of us, we feel like life hasn't been delivering lately. In fact, I know for many of us, these last two years in particular have felt more like 10. We've spent some time this past month as a church community kind of processing even just the impact of the pandemic on so many of us and the cocktail of experiences that many of us have journeyed through and now carry in trauma and grief and relational strife and just general weariness. 
And we might be tempted to feel like these days God isn't delivering the 2022 or the future that we once counted on. And we might be tempted to revert back to some of the old, to long for 2019 or before, to fall back into some patterns of old behavior or old habits or old character. When in reality, there may be something right around the corner that Jesus wants to invite us into. And the question for you and I and us together is, can we have the faith and the courage to believe that Jesus is still at work and his spirit is still alive today and he's still inviting people in to an extraordinary, miraculous, supernatural experience of his love and life and power, if only we will let go of our temptation to cling to the old and instead embrace the new life that he invites us into. This is the invitation of our church community to you for this next month and beyond. Uh, starting on May the 1st, we're gonna launch into a brand new four week teaching series called The Foundations of Faith. The Foundations of Faith. And in this teaching series, we're gonna look at some of the most basic building blocks of the framework of a life of faith that Jesus invites people into. Some of the most fundamental building blocks of that framework of faith. At the same time, we're gonna offer life groups that gather together during the week in bite-sized chunks to talk about and to process that teaching, as well as to just share our lives and struggles with one another to be a support and encouragement to each other. And at the same time, we're continuing to fire up what we call our anchor causes, our initiatives of justice and compassion that kind of define each of our Southridge locations. We're gonna get those up and running and the social programs as it gets warmer in the outdoors to be able to recover from all of the restrictions from the past couple years. And in this trifecta of experiences, of hearing teaching, of processing that, and then beginning to express and experience that for ourselves, we want to invite you into that experience together, even for the month of May, to try to give a new opportunity for Jesus to do new work in you. I want to warn us, though, that as we encounter and as we discover the fundamentals of this faith framework, maybe even or especially if we've been tracking with Jesus for some time, we need to appreciate that just like a home renovation, the renovation of Jesus, of our minds and hearts, might require some deconstruction and some letting go of some ideas and attitudes and thoughts and patterns and relationships and commitments in order to truly embrace the new thinking, the new attitudes, the new character traits, and the new transformational work that he has for us but we need to appreciate that this isn't just the invitation of our church for the next month. This is the timeless invitation of the person of Jesus, the risen Jesus we celebrate at Easter for all of us for all time. And even though we might find ourselves like Peter in a place today where we're more tempted to look back and more tempted to cling to and hold to the old, our old habits, our old relationships, our old patterns, our old character traits. If we're willing to have the faith and courage to open our minds and hearts up to the new reality that Jesus has for us and embrace his new life and open ourselves up to his new restoring and transforming work as he renovates our hearts and minds, 
we can experience resurrection, life, love, and power like never before. That's the invitation to you and me and us together this Easter. And if you want to get a clearer picture of what this can look like in ordinary people's lives, we actually have two people in our community today on Easter Sunday who've wanted to kind of represent that decision and that ongoing journey in their lives through the same experience as Peter responded, as people responded to Peter 2,000 years ago, an experience that we call baptism. And so we're going to celebrate that in a few moments, but first we're going to hear the stories of these two people. And as we do, I hope that you'll not only pay attention to what Jesus is doing in their lives, but ask yourself what it would take in yours to open your mind and your heart up to the new risen life of Jesus in a new way today. Because it's only as we'll let go of the old and familiar and instead embrace the new opportunity that Jesus' risen life invites us into today in the here and now that you and I and us together can experience the fullness of the life and love and power of Jesus' resurrection for ourselves. That's the message of the risen Jesus. That's the message of Easter that we can share in the stories of these two people today. Check them out.